Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Episode 143 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your pants. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive. I'm Chris Hahn. I'm your host. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn. And of course, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend about the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I do that in my best radio voice because I have been told I need to do it, so I'm going to do it. But I hope you're having a great week. It's only Tuesday if you're listening to this uh, on the day it comes out, as most people do. Some people wait until later in the week. I have to start. I mean, there's so much to talk about. I mean, last week was just a whirlwind of information between SCOTUS, you know, granting uh, the, the January 6th committee its request to view the Trump papers, which we knew they would. I mean, it's just a stall tactic. Trump probably knew they would too. At least his lawyers knew. To, but I, I have to start with, with the green M&M. I guess Tucker Carlson was attracted to the green M&M wearing go-go boots. And he was deeply offended that they put her in sneakers. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand. I, I to me, I, I've never been physically attracted to chocolate. I, I eat a lot of chocolate. Don't get me wrong. I, I eat way too much chocolate, I, and I particularly like M and M's. Uh, but I'm not physically attracted to them. At least I don't think I am. I mean, I, I, I don't really think that this was a big liberal cause to change the M and M characters so that they are less sexual. I don't know what he's trying to say. By calling this a great liberal push to make everybody... I I don't know what his whole deal was. I think he just was attracted to that Eminem. I mean, it was, you know, I guess the sexy Eminem. That was her character. I mean, if an Eminem could be sexy, I I guess that was the deal. And now she's just wearing sneakers. Oh, sorry, Tucker. Your fantasy of banging an Eminem... And having, you know, uh, you know, a pot pie prince M&M babies, I guess. I don't know what that would be. Frozen TV dinner M&Ms would maybe uh, result from that uh, copulation. 
But whatever it is, uh, it's sickening to me for me to even think about this guy getting so worked up. You know, look, we know I'm joking. I know he's not really worked up about it. I, I know he's an, uh, you know, he's a, a thespian out there plotting his craft. And oh, here's something we get old white guys mad about. They changed the Eminem characters. I don't know. I don't know a lot of old white guys that care about the Eminem characters either. And I know a lot of old white guys. They, they're. What are you trying to do here? You're trying to point out something that nobody really cared about. Some marketing executive had a great idea in his mind, anyway. I mean, I don't. I, or her mind. I. I don't understand the whole change, the need to change. They want to do what they want to do with their characters. I don't know. Maybe it's. I don't know. Maybe they want to make it more family friendly. They thought the go-go boots on the green M&M were a little too risque. I. I didn't think they were. So, anyway, I mean, that was the. That was the. The outrage of the day. The day, the day that we learned that an executive order was drafted in the Trump administration calling on the military to seize control of voting machines in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Oh, three very closely decided swing states. They were going to have the military seize control over those voting machines and the ballots. That was being planned by Trump. Every other news network at 8 o'clock was talking about that. Not Tucker. Tucker was focused on the green freaking M&M's footwear. So yeah, I'm making a joke out of it. But really, the joke's on all of us because, you know, the third of America that only gets their news from the right-wing echo chamber led by the pot-by prince Tucker Carlson, that's all they know about what happened on Thursday is that M&Ms changed the footwear of their characters. And that's why it was so outrageous to Tucker, not because it really mattered to anybody but because it was a nice, comfy distraction from what was going on in the real world where we learned that Donald Trump and his administration was really, truly considering a coup in this country, a military coup. I I am, you know, it's disgusting to me to even think about this. Very much disgusting. But it was clearly happening. And we really need to hold people accountable or it will happen again. You mark my words. And I, I look, I don't know what happens in this country if something like that happens. I mean, uh, if, I mean, we've seen what happened in other countries. Poland used to be extremely free. Hungary used to be extremely free. Now members of the press are being harassed. They're being jailed. Turkey was a democracy at one point. Now, now a reporter is being uh, jailed in Turkey because of a perceived insult of the president of Turkey. Now, I don't think any of us want to live in the United States of America where we have uh, a similar reaction to press stories as they're having in these formerly democratic nations, which formerly had free press. But, you know, when you start sending out the troops to seize ballots... To keep power in a country. Well that sounds a lot like Turkey to me. Sounds a lot like 
a third world banana republic takeover to me. And I don't know that I'd be doing this podcast anymore had that situation been successful. I don't know that I'd be mouthing off on the radio had that situation been... Look, I don't think we any of us would be, frankly. You'd have to get your talking points approved by a dear leader. And that's the kind of country that Donald Trump was trying to create. And, you know, it, it sickens me to the freaking core to think about it. And then to watch that Popeye Prince use his hour of nightly cable news with a huge audience to keep people in the dark and to keep them angry about nonsense like freaking M&Ms. Screw him. Screw anybody who's lying to the public. Now, again, I have made a promise to myself. I'm not going to hate anybody anymore. I'm going to try not to hate. It's too heavy a burden. I do not hate Tucker Carlson. I do not hate the people who were trying to plot a coup against this country. But that said, I think those coup plotters need to be held accountable right now. Uh, I want January 6th committee to come out with all its information. And I want the Justice Department to go and lock some people up who are trying to take over this country by force. Scary. Scary to even think about it. And it's scary to think that there were a lot of people around that president that were willing to accommodate that kind of behavior. The truth's coming out, America. I, I don't know if it's going to make a difference in these midterm elections, given the way this country's going right now. I mean, you you know, people are just upset about everything, even though the economy's doing quite well. Stock market price is down right now, but, you know, it was up so much in 2021. Uh, it was bound to have a correction at some point. And of course, you know, the situation in Ukraine is not helping market jitters. And, and the Fed is threatening to raise interest rates, which they probably are going to do. Soon. They haven't risen in a long time. So that's impacted stock markets, but people are making more money than they ever have before. Now, I know prices are up, but when you look at it, it's been about a 2% increase. Uh, When you factor in the wage increase and the price increase, it's really costing us 2% more this year than it did last year on average. Doesn't mean gas isn't more than, you know, doubled, Uh, but. You know, remember, nobody was driving last year. Let's let's measure the gas price to three years ago because it wasn't doing too well three years ago. All right, I got a great guest coming up. Joe Walsh, been on the show before, former congressman. Uh, great guy, friend of mine now. It's amazing that he's a friend of mine now, right? I, I mean, Joe, Joe Walsh was a Tea Party guy I'd go on TV with and I, you know, we'd yell at each other. I'd go on his radio show, we yell at each other. Now it's a love fest uh, because you know what? We both believe in America. Uh, We might have different views on how to solve problems, but we don't want uh, the military seizing ballots and changing the election results. That's something I know Joe Walsh is not in favor of, and neither am I. So we see eye to eye on that. So stick around. I got a great guest, and you're going to love him. Joining me now, good friend of the show, good friend of mine, who I don't think we've ever actually met in person. Joe Walsh and I have been doing radio together for a long time. He's a former member of the United States House of Representatives, and he's been a great guest of this show. Joe, how you doing? I beg to differ. I think we have met. Did we meet at Politicon? I think we might have met, met at, Pol- at Pol- I think we met at Politicon, and I swear back in the day when 
Fox News still had me out. <laughs> we, we met in the Fox News studio. Oh, once. I think we did. I think we met when you were actually a house member of the house doing your tea party yeah, thing. We did. And I yeah. think we had a great conversation in the green room. And I'm like, how is how do, how is this guy so crazy politically? <laughs> uh, we we almost got in a fist fight, if you recall. We almost got. In a fist fight. I don't know about that. I didn't get in a fist fight with anybody. I mean, I met Sarah Palin at the height of her Sarah Palinness and didn't get into a fight with her or her husband. You know, they would come in, and the only person I almost got into a fist fight with at Fox News uh, was uh, Joe Jonas because they kicked me and uh, David Mammoth out of a green room once because Joe Jonas wow. needed the green David Mamet. Now I don't agree with his politics, but I love his writing. And, yeah. and we were sitting in the green room doing the morning show, uh, getting ready. I, I was getting ready to go on. He had just come off. We were talking about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. And they came and they yeah. kicked us out of the green room for Joe freaking Jonas. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's terrible. I looked at the, I looked at the booker and I go, you know who David Mamet is, right? He's not just the Republican pundit. This is David Mamet. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So how you doing, Joe? I'm I you know what, Chris, I'm doing well, but I'll tell you, if you're like you're you and you're or you're like me, what a crazy time politically to be alive. I, I, I don't I don't even know where to start with so much going. Like it's like every day there's ten things. Yep. You know, I mean, well, let's, I, I, and, and, and the, the serious point is you're right, but these are really, I've said revolutionary times in American politics. This country's going through a real upheaval now still. I, I mean, I just keep asking myself, where does this go? Right. I mean, we're going through this upheaval and I agree with you. I, I think upheaval is probably a way to call it. Is this a regular 50 year realignment? Or is this something else? I mean, what do you think? I mean, you've been on the ground. You've been involved with it. I I am hoping it's just a regular realignment that, you know, when the dust settles, we'll have two new parties. And here we are. I do, you know, Chris, I don't think so. I'm, I'm a dark Irishman. Ten years ago, when I was in Congress, I said then, way before Trump, I said America has not been this divided since just before the Civil War. I really do believe that this great American experiment is hanging by a thread. Uh, I think the Republican Party is a dying national party. Uh, And I really think the country right now is going through something we have not gone through really since before the Civil War. So the question is, though, how does it end? Right. I mean, I, for one, think what's going to happen in 2024 is that Trump is going to be playing that he's running, 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 running. And then January of 2024, right before the primaries start, he's going to say, you know what? The Republicans didn't do enough to rig the election for me, so I'm not going to run this time. Good luck. (laughs) And and that'll be bad for Republicans across the board because now a lot of his people just won't even come out and vote and they'll be scrambling for a candidate. I think the odds are, and I think you'd agree with me, it doesn't make me happy, but uh, Kevin McCarthy will be the next Speaker of the House. I think the Republicans will take back the House, maybe the Senate. The Democrats are in real trouble right now. I think Trump wants to run. Uh, The party is his. If he runs, no Republican will challenge him. And, And I tend to think the only thing that would keep him from running is if he were 
certain he was going to lose because he doesn't want to lose again or yep. if he's in jail. Well, I, look, he's got he got a big blow today by the Supreme Court. But let me just challenge you on Kevin McCarthy. I, I am not doubting that the Republicans are going to take the House next year. I think gerrymandering alone gets them the House. Uh, midterm, traditional midterm swing will help them even more. But I don't think Kevin McCarthy is going to be Speaker of the House. I, I think that he's a weak person. And even though he's kowtowed to the extremists within his party, I think they're going to choose somebody more extreme. He's a, uh, I served with McCarthy. You're right about him. He is a weak person. He's a hollow man. He has no core. But everything he's doing right now, Chris, is he, he's just protecting himself so he can get it. He's, he's basically trying to sound like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. And so uh, he's, cu- he's cutting a deal with the crazies. Uh, to keep them uh, at bay. Uh, but I, 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 who knows? I think he'll probably be speaker if they take control. But Marjorie Taylor Greene will be pulling the strings. Yeah, I mean, I also think the former guy, I think Trump, uh, will hold a lot of sway in who becomes speaker. And yeah. all he has, all that his you know detractors need to say to Trump is, well, here's what he said on January 7th, 2021, uh, you know, and, and see where we go yeah. from there. You know, I have a feeling that that will carry a lot of weight with a lot of people uh, in the Republican caucus. And I just I just don't see him. I just don't see it happening. I just don't. I, I think I think I think some of some people are getting through to Trump, which convinces me that he wants to run. You know, he came out a few weeks ago and admitted he had the booster shot. Yep, he took a shot at DeSantis for not having the courage to say he had the booster shot. And then Trump canceled his January 6th press conference. So I, I think people have convinced him it's yours, man. Just don't go super crazy. Uh, and, and that's why unless something really dramatic changes, it's his. But do you think that voters are going to, I mean, he's running around the country. And again, I don't think he could get elected again. I think Trump on the ballot is the one thing that can unify Democrats and left-leaning independents to come out and vote in mass numbers to kind of defeat something, right? As long, as long, Chris, as the Democrats have a candidate. Oh, they'll have a candidate, right? I don't know who that candidate will be, but they will have a candidate. Maybe it'll be Joe Biden. I don't think so. Uh, Maybe it's somebody we're not even thinking of right now, but there'll be a candidate from the Democratic Party. And as long as that candidate isn't too extreme... Uh, that candidate will have the benefit of running against Donald Trump, who is, look, I I say this all the time, fear motivates more than any other thing in politics. And what got Joe Biden elected in 2020 was fear of another Donald Trump term. So 81 million Americans came out and said, we're afraid of Donald Trump. We're going to vote for Joe Biden. If If Donald Trump is on the ballot again, those same 81 million people are coming out to vote against Donald Trump unless the Democrats nominate a maniac. I, no, I, I absolutely agree. Donald Trump is the Democrats' greatest get-out-the-vote tool. Um, that won't be there. In, well, it could be there in 2022 if yeah. Trump tries to make himself a story this year. Uh, otherwise, you know, I, I don't see the Democratic enthusiasm this year that they typically had in, you know, presidential campaigns. Yeah, well, they never do. I mean, it's a, and one of the things I've always frustrated me as a political operative when I was a political operative, that getting people to care about the midterms uh, in the Democratic Party was almost impossible 
Uh, even yeah. when you know, even when they were out of power, with very few exceptions, two thousand and six, big exception, right? Uh, uh, twenty eighteen, big exception. But rarely do you see that kind of interest in in uh, off year elections, uh, midterm elections. God, try getting people out for a county executive race. <laughs> you know, it's which, very- which is uh, Chris, which is an absolute shame because. Our democracy is under extreme threat right now. Yep. And my God, if that can't get you off your ass to come out and vote in the midterm, nothing will. I don't know what people are thinking, because frankly, it is scary to me. Uh, and particularly in these local elections, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get people out who care about governance. Now, look, I, I, I there are a lot of people I disagree with, but I don't think they're trying to destroy America. We've got to get people in government who say, look, I want to I want to use this job to make people's lives better. And maybe they disagree on how to do that and what government's role should be in that. But at least we all agree on the goal of making people's lives better. Joe, we're talking about uh, the manic pace that uh, news has been coming. Political news particularly has been coming down Uh, on Wednesday. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, held a what I believe is the longest press conference in presidential history, one hour and 51 minutes long, uh, which I think should, you know, take away all the notions that the guy's not up for the job. I mean, that's a long time to be standing there, you know, in a a pool full of vipers sniping at you. (laughs) You know, what do you make of that press conference? Um, I'll I'll tell you what, uh, you know, uh, anybody questioning Biden's senility or mental fitness who didn't question Trump's senility or mental fitness should be ignored. Look, look, Biden isn't senile. He's 79 years old. Yeah. And Chris, I will take that any day of the week. Me too. The, The idiotic, unbalanced, psychopathic pathological liar that preceded Biden. I'll tell you what, Joe, we all lose a step as we get older. I mean, I'm I am yes. not the same guy I was when I was playing football at the University of Albany back in the 90s. OK, yes. I have definitely lost a step since then. Uh, and Joe Biden has clearly lost a, a step or two and he's almost 80 years old. But I'm sorry. I, I don't think he's senile. I, I just think, look, he's an older guy. What are you going to do? You know, but again, you're more you're a better political strategist than I am, I think they make a big mistake by not putting him out there more. Oh, I, uh, I, I, think, I get him out there all the time. I'd embrace who he is. Just he embrace him. He actually said it today during the press conference. What do you, what do you think we've, we should be doing better? He's like, I got to get out to the American people more. He literally yeah. said that in the press conference. And I was like, yes, Mr. President, go out there and defend your record. Because frankly, it's not as bad as it's painted out to be. You know what, though, my friend, Biden made one big, humongous screw up today. He was asked if he thought the 2022 elections will be legitimate. And he hedged and he hemmed and hawed and he said, it depends. You can't do that, man. You got to say yes. And everything the Republicans are trying to do, we will fight. But we never questioned the sanctity of American. Elections. Yeah, I cringed when I saw that, too. Actually, I was like, oh, yo, just say yes. He can't, he can't say that. That's too Trumpy like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, look, I think his concern is there's some laws in some of these states where they could just overturn election results, which, you know, I would have said yes, so long as state legislatures don't tamper with the results. Exactly. And that, that and that's fine. Yes. As long as boom. Right. But he. But, but but again, Chris, that goes to 
the fact that I I like him, but he's lost the step. Yeah, well, that's that's the he thing. Can't well, really do that anymore. I, I don't know, man. I don't know that I could sit there for you know two hours being banged up like that by the press. I mean, I I've done two hour, I've done four hour radio shows. Uh, and at the end of it, I feel like I'm going to die and I got people bringing me water and do you need yeah, chips yeah. or something? You know, it's 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 not, uh, you know, standing there uh, for almost two hours with a, yeah. a, a hostile press corps. And, and I know that yeah. people on the right don't believe that even the progressive press that they call them are, are they are hostile. The press are not the friend of anybody that they are interviewing. And they were all looking for their moment with the president. And, and the, the questions were difficult. Uh, and, and he stood there and he took it and he gave it back as good as he got it. I thought, I thought, yeah, he had a couple screw ups. The one on the election, the legitimacy of the elections is, was just wrong. Yeah. But other than that, I thought he did really, really well. And I think generally, Chris, look, he's pretty good in this kind of format. He's pretty good in the town hall format. Let him be himself. Yeah. Yeah. They got to They've got to let him go out there and talk to people, talk to voters, talk to the press be visible, be seen, and be touting his agenda. Look, if Donald Trump had the unemployment rate, created as many jobs, and had the GDP growth in his first year of office, it would be the only thing you heard about in the news. I don't understand why Joe Biden and his administration are not counting. The GDP growth that Joe Biden had in his first years bested anything Donald Trump or George W. Bush did in their entire presidencies. I, I think most of a president's job is communicating, yeah, uh, explaining, using that bully pulpit. And Chris, I got to tell you, Biden just hasn't done a very good job of that. I think Democrats are afraid to get the question about, well, what about gas prices? Oh, what about the the the, the shelves are empty? And by the way, I don't really believe the shelves are empty. There have been some things you can't get. You know, I, I, I'm a big Ben and Jerry's fan, and uh, right. they have had limited selection of Ben and Jerry's flavors at Stop and Shop for about two years now. Uh, <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, yeah, you might not have everything you want, but I we're not living in, you know, 1985 Soviet Union conditions here in the United States of America. You know, OK, so you, you can't have Vienna fingers every time you go to the, the, the shopping center. Uh, but I, I haven't seen these 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 lines for things here. No, I get, but again, that goes to, to Biden explaining the fact that we are not out of a, a once-in-a-lifetime worldwide health crisis. Yeah, that's going to impact. That's going to impact supply chains. That's going to impact everything. Just explain it. Yeah, just say it. Own it. Hey, I'm doing everything oh. I can, uh, but you know, it's I can't as president of the United States. I can't tell a hundred uh, factory workers in another country not to get COVID nineteen and stay home. Exactly. Which is why these exactly. things are happening right now. It's like everywhere you go in this in this country, there's staff shortages because of COVID. Yeah. Everybody knows it. They're aware of it in their car, in their in their personal lives. How do you blame the president of it? I mean, I, I don't I don't get it, especially these people who call themselves devout capitalists. They're blaming the president for market issues. Yeah, you no, Chris, you're spot on. You're right. And, and I think most of what has happened to Biden this year has not been his fault. Right. The, the the only thing that has been his fault is not doing a good job of communicating yep. what we're going through and what we need to do. I always say it's not his fault, but it is his problem. 
And he needs to be able to explain what's going on and tell the American people how it resolves itself and why it's happening, even though it's not without trying to deflect blame, because ultimately the buck does stop with the president of the United States. And and Chris Hahn, I will remind you, back in the day when you and I were arguing about stuff, I, 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 you know, I was the Tea Party conservative. That's still who I am politically, even though I oppose Trump with every fiber of my being. Right. I am scared to death that Donald Trump's going to get elected again. I want there to be a strong Democrat to beat him, whether that's Biden or whoever. And I'm worried about it. Well, look, I want there to be a time where people like where you and I can get together and argue about how a policy should be enacted or whether or not it should be enacted. Rather than like, how are we going to save the republic? Right. Right. I mean, like I miss like when I first started in in national punditry, I would have debates about issues like quantitative easing. You know, I would have like, oh, should the Fed, you know, do another round of quantitative easing? And I'd have a discussion about why they should or they shouldn't do that. Now it's like, well, you know, democracy is in peril. Every time I'm on TV, every time I'm on the radio, I want yeah. the, I want the republic saved, and and I want I want to move on yeah. from this this threat. I think you do too. Well, that 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 goes to where you and I started this conversation 10, 15 minutes ago. This is uh, this is a terribly unique time in American history. Yeah, I mean, this is really one of those inflection points. And we just don't know where it's going to go. Well, one of the things I know about you is that you you are on the side of the republic, whether or not we will agree when the republic is saved or not. Uh, until then, we are united in cause here. I'm back with Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, who I know. By the way, Chris, props for the old Billy Joel there. Thank you. You know I'm a Long Islander, Joe. So I know. I know. And, and nobody who's listening to me on the podcast will get that reference because... Uh, I can't play the Billy Joel on the podcast, but I can play it on the radio because I have the rights to it on the radio. I don't have the rights to it on the podcast. It's weird, right? (laughs) Even though I think I've got 10 times the audience on the radio than I do on the podcast, but it's okay. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Whatever you want to do. I mean, it's one of my, I've seen Billy Joel in concert, Joe, like 11 times. And man, I, yeah, at, at least. Well, he plays Madison Square Garden like every month, not anymore because of COVID, but yeah. he was playing yeah. it every month. And when he first announced it, I called a friend of mine who I go to concerts with, like, I go, what are we going to do? Like three, four times a year, Billy Joel? I mean, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. So, but the thing is, the last time I went to see him, it was the last major event I did before COVID. I brought my daughter, who at the time was 13, to see him. And uh, I remember just sitting there watching the entire crowd sing Piano Man with Billy, which is what you do in New York when Billy Joel plays. It probably doesn't anywhere in the country, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I know at least half, maybe more than half, because Billy Joel's got a very older, white, male audience. I'm thinking, most of these people don't agree with me politically, and here we all are, sharing this moment with a guy we love, Billy Joel. (laughs) You know, if we could all do this, maybe we could get past this nonsense with this maniac in the White House, because Trump was in the White House at the time. And we can move on. You know, that's what gives me hope, like going to things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't get the same feeling when I brought my daughter to see Harry Styles uh, at the garden <laughs> a couple of months ago in October when there was like a lull in COVID. Yeah. We went to see yeah. Harry Styles and uh, I was the oldest person in the arena. Uh, and uh, they screamed for that guy like he was the Beatle. 
It was crazy. God, yeah. <laughs> so, it's a riot. That's so, a riot. So let's talk about the Supreme Court decision today or uh, that basically said to Trump, you're not a king. You're not president anymore. And even if you were president, we could care less. Uh, you're, this is not your document. This is the people's document. And they have the right to it. What do you make of that? Uh, not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. Virtually every one of these lower court rulings has gone against Trump. So what the Supreme Court did today wasn't surprising. And it, but, but again, Chris, it, it goes to keeping our eyes on the prize. Yep. About a year ago, our country was attacked a violent attempt to overthrow an American election. And one of our two major political parties led by Trump has no interest. In fact, they're doing everything they can to prevent us from getting to the bottom of it. By the way, it was an eight to one decision. And the one dissent was Clarence Thomas, Thomas, whose wife may or may not have been involved with the January 6th insurrection. I know that Problematic. is yeah, which might be why he dissented. Uh, uh, it, it is a it, it is shocking to me. Uh, that anybody would think, I mean, it's, look, if you read the Watergate decisions around Nixon's uh, assertion of executive yeah. privilege, it was very clear which way this was going to go. And and if you thought that the people Trump put on the court were going to side with Trump, you forget that it's a lifetime appointment and that at some point these people have to say, no, 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 I'm independent. And this was a layup for them to say that. And the cur- the current president, didn't exert executive privilege. I mean, it was it was a fait accompli, and yeah. Trump knows it. I do still believe, though, Chris, they're trying as best as they can to delay this thing as long as they can. I also believe that no matter what the Jan 6 committee comes out with this year, it's not going to impact the Republican Party base at all. No, I don't think so either. Uh, I don't think so either. But I also got to I always got to remind people that, you know, the January 6th commission will be over by January 1, 2023. But the Biden administration's got till January 20th, 2025, including the Justice Department, which is the Biden Justice Department, which will continue to pursue some of these claims. And the January yeah. 6th committee's commission's going to, you know, committee, I guess, is going to tee all this stuff up for them. And I, I, I'm very interested. You know what I really want to see, Joe? And you probably feel the same way. I want to see the two takes Donald Trump did of his video message that his staff wouldn't let him release. I want to see those takes. <laughs> That's what I am most interested in of all. I, I, you know, and who called him? Who was he on the phone with? I, I want to see Michael Flynn's phone records because I have a feeling Michael Flynn was on the phone with foreign countries during this. This, you know, to and, me, to, and me, the, the, to me, finding out all of this, the yep. positive is hopefully it'll fire everybody else up to come out and vote. Yeah, I just I talk to the Republican Party base every day. And they've already written it off. I don't think it's going to impact them. Oh, yeah, they totally have. They've written it off. They don't believe it. They think it's a witch hunt. I, yeah. I, I hate that this, like, people now just go to one place to get their news and they go to the place that is going to feed them what they want to hear, their own worldview. And it is scary. Well, but, you know, you, well, speaking of people going to their places, I mean, the good thing, Chris, is Tucker Carlson announced today he's going back to Hungary to do the news. Unbelievable. Uh, going back to his place where he's comfortable with authoritarians. Well, he is uh, the pot pie prince. And, yeah. you know, I guess he's going to go over to Hungary because, uh, you know, that was the inspiration for the Swanson Hungry Man dinner. And he'll go over there to talk <laughs> to the dictators over there because he, he, he likes, he feels comfortable with dictators. It's crazy. I don't know why. Look, 
I, I know Tucker Carlson. I have been doing TV with Tucker Carlson since 2010. I haven't done it recently because I've called him out for who he really yep. is. Uh, but Tucker Carlson's an actor. He doesn't believe half this stuff. And there is some... So why is he doing it? Because there's a weird psychosis in his mind that he has to be on TV to prove his own self-worth. And he has lost shows in the past, Crossfire most notably. And he doesn't want to lose this audience, so he knows what to give them. And he keeps bringing them down this it's path. Not money. It's, it's, it's not money, right? He doesn't need the money. He's the Popeye Prince. I mean, he yeah. has Swanson TV dinner money. It is, yeah. it's, it's, it's all about his own fragile ego and the need to be on television, which I don't, I don't quite understand. I like going on television, but you know, there, I don't go on all the time. <laughs> you know, I guess I'd miss it if well, I wasn't on it. Well, here's all I know. Outside of Donald Trump, nobody channels the Republican Party base better than Tucker Carlson. Oh, he, I think he's running for president, frankly, at some point, maybe even 2024. It is, it's, it's, it's a scary thought, to say the least. But uh, don't worry, I'm going to call him the Popeye Prince, and hopefully that catches on. <laughs> I think I'm the only one doing it right now, Joe. I think if you if you feel like taking it, just give me a little credit for it. That's all I want. You don't have to give me all the credit. I like it. I Pop, like it. The Popeye Prince. I think it's perfect. So I don't know, Popeye Prince, or uh, I don't know, uh, frozen peas popot, something like that. <laughs> Last thing I want to cover is this battle for the soul of the Republican Party, which really seems to be embodied in the Wyoming primary to try to oust Liz Cheney with some Trumper in in Wyoming. I guess to a lesser extent, it's happening in Alaska with Lisa Murkowski, two very small states. I think Lisa Murkowski ultimately will be fine, even if she doesn't win the Republican nomination. She's done this before during the Tea Party era. Um, You know, Liz Cheney, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, Joe, I mean, I know you didn't serve with Liz Cheney. You, you were in Congress. Well, I yeah. guess you didn't serve with her, her dad either. Uh, but it is a, it is amazing to me that liberals like me are out there kind of rooting for Liz Cheney to be successful right now. I'm going to only pick apart your premise. I, I don't believe there is a battle for the soul of the Republican party that ended three or four or five years ago. Okay. Um, there's, there's no, it, it's Trump. It, it's Trump's party. It's the party of Trumpism and nationalism and ugly, you know, bigoted populism. They won. Mm. And there's no room for me in that party. Right. That's why I left. I, I, I think there's no way on God's green earth Liz Cheney can win in the state of Wyoming, mm. assuming she's up against one primary challenger. I think she will be. What do you so think? If, do you think she'd run as a third party if she loses? She could run as an independent. Well, I, I don't know. In some states, you can't. I don't know if she could turn around and run as an independent in the general. I right. don't know if she can do that in Wyoming. Uh, in some states, you can't. Um, I, I know, though, look, her name is Cheney. So even though there's no room in today's party for her, she'll have a role and she'll do something outside of the party. A guy I served with, Chris, a good friend of mine, we got elected together. Adam Kinzinger mm. realized last year that there's no room in this party for him yeah i i just i just i don't get it i mean like adam kissing kinziger liz cheney liz cheney you know look she's to the right of everything i believe in right yeah. the one place we we agree on is that january 6th was an insurrection and the people who are responsible for it should be held accountable i mean it's not a very major premise and that's it she's gone she's out of the party 
Well, and, and let's let's remember, and I give Liz Cheney a lot of props, and I give Adam Kinzinger a lot of props because January sixth, you know, that was their line. Yeah, but Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney still voted for Trump in November of twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, after four years and two impeachments, she still stuck with him, and it, and it, and it, it took an insurrection for her to move off of him. Yeah, but having said that, she knows there really is again. There's no room in this party for them. For me, I think you and I are going to have a conversation over tequila and beer in six to eight years, and I think there'll be another viable political party. I hope so. Or you and I will be having that conversation somewhere in Mexico, <laughs> right? Because we're going to be chased out of this country, which would really suck. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of stuff here that I've been working on my whole life. <laughs> you know, and I this is the thing. And Joe, you know, I don't want to diverge here. But you got to think at some point, people who've like worked their whole lives for retirements, to build homes, careers, are going to say, enough with this nonsense. We're not going to destroy this country and have to start again. We're not going to let the Chinese be, you know, have their currency be the world reserve currency and our dollar be worthless and float. Are you kidding me? We're not going to do that. I, I, I got to think, I got to think that the money people in this country at some point are going to wake up and say, uh, what's going on here? And like, you know, right. get involved. Agreed. The question is, is it too late for that? Chris, you know, because you study this stuff. We live in two Americas right now. Yep. And it's a real rural. It's a rural and urban divide. And it's been building for a long, long, long time. We don't even, both sides don't even talk to each other anymore, which is why I started my podcast, White Flag with Joe Walsh, a couple months ago, just to talk to people every week who disagree with me. Which, by the way, I, which, by the way, I've listened to and I love White Flag with Joe Walsh, which, by the way, I haven't been asked to be on yet. I'm just saying, Joe. Uh, Coming on, don't worry. (laughs) That's That's why, Chris, I give you a lot of props. Because you go on Fox News and engage with the other side. And I'll never stop, by the way. People are like, oh, what do you do it? I'm like, hey, I'll go where anybody wants to talk about politics. Yeah. yeah. And I will give my point of view. And people might not agree with it, but I'm going to give it to them and they're going to hear it. And that's it. If, and if it gets one person to think critically about what's going on, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, exactly. And I think I'm getting a lot more than one person to think. I think I'm, I'm, I'm you know, maybe one or two percent of the people that watch Fox probably think critically after this. You know, they come up to me. They tell me, I don't agree with you, but you get me to think. And I love that. That's and when people tell me I get them to think that really helped. That really makes me, makes my day. It really does. It's the highest compliment you can get right now politically. I mean that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, you know, and, and that's driving me nuts. I mean, look, Joe, I've been having fights with friends for, I, I just did my podcast uh, the other day and I was talking about how, you know, I was out with a friend of like over, 30 years and and we were having you know french fries at a diner and we started fighting about politics and it just it just went south so quick and i was like 30 (laughs) years and i'm like you're not in politics i'm in politics (laughs) i mean like can you at least give me a little bit of the benefit of the doubt it was very crazy it was an insane thing and i think that there's too much of that going on and i have decided that my resolution this year not my resolution my goal for 2022 is to try to be, I don't know, loving to people who disagree with me and see where that gets me. 
I don't know. It's a great, it's a great, Chris, it's a great goal. You know, I, we all should do that. Be respectful to people who disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard when I run into Rudy Giuliani over at WABC, uh, but uh, uh, you know, maybe he won't be there that long for all that's going on no. in his life. He's got a lot of a lot of things. All right, Joe, I only have about I only have about a minute left with you. I want to plug away at some of the projects you're working on. You just mentioned White Flag with Joe Walsh, available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what else you got going on? You know, the, the podcast we launched a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, really excited about White Flag with Joe Walsh. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not on Fox News much anymore at all. I go on CNN and MSNBC a lot, talking to people who disagree with me. Who knows? Maybe I'll run for president again one day, Chris. Hey, you might as well. Why not? You know, and, and <laughs> maybe run as a third party. Who cares? It's, I mean, you know, I mean, like there, there's something's got to give, right? I mean, I. I somebody's got to break through to those people in the Republican party who have a fiscal policy that yeah, I might not yeah. agree with, but at least they all want the dollar to be the world reserve currency still. You know, I mean, yeah, this but- is, I, I'm really worried about retirement right now because I think there's some people who don't care and they'll blow everything up. And most of those people have government pensions and that's what really drives me nuts, Joe. (laughs) Joe Walsh, the great former congressman. Check out White Flag with Joe Walsh wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, thanks for joining me. All right, I'm back. I I love talking to a guy. I I can't help it. Uh, Joe's a great guy. You know, I know a lot of podcasts don't repeat guests. I repeat guests because, frankly, I find them interesting. And I hope you find them interesting, too. And I guess you do. Otherwise, you would have stopped listening by now. If you're listening this far into the podcast, you probably thought that that was an interesting conversation with Joe Walsh. Just like, you know, I've had the Mooch on a bunch of times. I got nothing but praise for the Mooch last week. Thank you for everybody who reached out to me. Uh, You probably went to ChristopherHahn.com to email me. Or you tweeted at me, at Christopher Hahn. Not a lot of people uh, messaging me on Instagram, Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram, because I don't have a lot of followers there. You probably don't even know it's me. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, yeah, interesting conversations, interesting times. I, I really just would like to have a quiet week. I thought last week would be a quiet week. It wasn't. Um, it was a busy week. And, and again, I, I'm. we got to open up people's eyes. I mean, people just don't see everything that's going on because we're living in our own universes and we got to get out of those universes and and that includes some liberals you know we're we're sometimes just sucked into our own universe includes a lot of liberals i would say Uh, we're only hearing what we have to hear I, i really encourage everybody to expand your horizons you know i mean and i'm not saying watch fox news prime time but turn it on during the day because the news stories that they focus on tend to be news stories that aren't, aren't necessarily being focused on on CNN or MSNBC because they, you know, they tend to, they want to you know, t- focus on crime and things of that nature. And there is a, a rising crime issue in cities around this country. But I like to point out that crime in New York City, for example, even though it has risen the last three years or so, it is still lower than it was on Rudy Giuliani's best day as mayor. So let's always keep that in mind when we're freaking out about crime. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing something to stop crime. Um, you know, and I know conservatives want to go crazy about the DA in New York City, in Manhattan, Alan Bragg. Oh my God, he's going to destroy America because he doesn't want to prosecute marijuana offenses. I read his memo. I, I mean, prosecutors have to determine what they're going to prosecute. Now, he doesn't say he's not going to go after violent criminals. Uh, but petty offenses, 
you know, those are tickets. Those are, those should be, you know, adjudicated. They're not something, you know, they're, you're settling those out. So anyway, I, I, I hope you're enjoying this podcast. Please tell your friends. Thank you for all of your support. Uh, I'll be on TV a lot. So follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn, Christopher Hahn NY. And uh, of course, my 77 WABC radio show, 3 to 5 with Curtis Sliwa. Every Sunday, you can stream it on WABCradio.com. Um, if you're not in New York, where you can just listen to it on 77 WABC. I take calls. I'd love for you to call in. Got a lot of conservatives calling in. It would be nice to have a few progressive as well. So I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.